What is up? Welcome back to Zen Business, the show that studies health and mindfulness habits that ultra high performers use to reach the top of their industry and their craft. I'm your host, Jonathan Maxim, Managing Director at K&J Growth Hackers and founder of five digital companies. We've grown these companies to great levels and created an exciting and fulfilling life for our team members, but the truth is, it was much more challenging than we ever could have imagined. All right, now let's jump in. All right, Brian, welcome to Zen Business. I'm so excited to have you here and talking about all of the amazing insights that you have uh, yet to share. And I uh, just want to give the audience a quick little introduction on who Brian B. Evans is and uh, how we got connected. So Brian, Inc. 500 entrepreneur, very prestigious list, as many of you know, multiple founder, um, having started countless tech companies, media platforms, agencies, everything you can imagine. Brian has done it. And he's also what I would call the brains behind the business. Somebody who's the real genius behind what you see in, in more you know, public ways. Um, built one of the top digital marketing agencies in America, has invested in countless startups. And uh, full disclosure, I advise from one of those startups, as well as a, a top business and marketing influencer, which I think is how we came across each other initially and started writing for one of the platforms that you created. And you know, just got closer over the years. So Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Hey man. Yeah. Thanks for uh, having me. Um, and thanks for the nice words. Uh, definitely good to be here. Absolutely. So where in the world are you right now? It looks like you're, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, this is the zoom background, but, uh, I'm in Los Angeles. Uh, we're in the middle of the lockdown right now. So it's a interesting time in the world, but, um, yeah, here in Los Angeles, pretty, pretty nice weather. Um, luckily it just changed recently. So we got lucky with that. Yeah, it's beautiful here right now. Yeah. So how are you? Uh, how, how has your workload changed since the COVID implications started happening all over the world? It's changed. Um, it's changed. For me, it's been a good shift, though. Um, it's it's kind of made me refocus on the mental game a little bit because we're just literally kind of locked up and stuck in one place. So it's to me, that's kind of a sign of like, well, what can I focus on? What, what can I do? That's what, how can I improve? Right. So it's, for me, it was kind of shifting to the mental game and seeing how I could work on sort of the mind and seeing what other things I could tinker with. I'm excited to unpack that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I know you were really ramping up your physical game training with one of the best yeah. trainers in the world who trained a lot of big celebrities like Lewis Howes and so on. Yeah. Forced to shift gears, but yeah. And uh, what kind of implications or what kind of changes did you make in your mental game? Or did you start experimenting? Like, where has that kind of that pursuit taken you? Well, you're actually, it's interesting because it's kind of the counterbalance of those two things. It's, yeah, with, you know, we don't have access to gyms and things like that right now, but still figuring out how to be creative and make the best of things um, without getting too wild. And like, you know, we're doing pull-ups from our chandeliers and stuff. We don't need to be going that crazy, but um, you know, just finding ways to, you know, again, have it's fortunately I have a great trainer, um, but even for people that don't, I think there's a lot of good information out there, you know, what you can be doing. Um, Cause I think it's easy for us to get stuck in that trap of what we can't do. Um, so uh, luckily I figured that figure both sides of that, you know, but uh yeah, still pushing with the training. Um, on the, yeah, it's the mental game for me has really just been saying, hey, I've got this time now and I've got this, you know, I can't do a lot of things. I got the computer, I can do that. Um, and I've always been someone that likes to really try to reverse engineer and figure out every aspect of any kind of business or project that I get into. So it's just given me more time to really like dig in and say, well, I got all this time now. Let's try to unpack and try to reverse engineer these different aspects that I didn't even understand about businesses or things that I was getting into. So 
just kind of like learning, I guess is a good summary. Um, you know, focusing on the learning more while it seemed like a good time to be doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, it can kind of go one of two ways. We either see this as something that is a hindrance or an opportunity. And just like any big challenge, like there's always learning and, and challenge. I mean, that's pain is just a feedback loop. If something hurts, that means our body's telling us to do something about it. And if we're feeling the pain of anxiety or from isolation or anything like that, that energy can be channeled in a different way into learning and productivity. Um, would you say that you more shifted that energy toward learning like new things or learning more in depth or has it shifted more toward uh, work outcomes and just putting more time? In yeah, it? it's interesting. That's, that's a good point. Um, you know, cause it's very easy for, I think anybody to get caught up in this news cycle of negative stuff coming out every day. There's some, you know, it's like, there was a meme going out for a while. It was like the the, dam the daily damage report of like what crazy new thing is out there now. And it's very easy to get stuck in that sort of negative downward spiral of, oh, we wake up, oh, this happened and this happened and it's going to be locked down this much longer and this and this. But reframing it to say, okay, well, that's there and acknowledging it. Because I think it's very important too that you shouldn't not acknowledge that when you have like a negative emotion or something bad happens, I think the trap sometimes is people can dismiss it. And then what happens is it really, it's just, it's just bottling up. And that's when like a disaster can happen. So I think it's okay to acknowledge it and saying, wow, I'm really, you know, it's for meditation. I know you're into things like that as well. Um, can come in where you say, okay, I'm acknowledging that this, you know, bad thing is out there. Um, and, but, I, but also acknowledging, I can't really do anything about that. Mm -hmm. So what, what kind of, you know, positive way can I spin this? Um, for me, it's just focusing more on learning things that I haven't had time or, or ability to do. Cause I, I mean, it's funny because like living in Los Angeles, you can probably <laughs> resonate with this. We spend hours a day sometimes just in the car, just wasting time, just driving places. So now we've got all this extra time. Um, so I see it as kind of a positive where we've got this extra time. What can we do with that? Can you start a new business for a lot of people and they're stuck at home anyways, getting into any sort of online sort of businesses could be very interesting. Um, but for me, yeah, it's been really just kind of learning more about things that I'm already doing in a deeper level. Um, and I've, I've actually added a few daily habits that have been really positive for me. One of them is chess. Um, so I've been playing online chess and it first thing in the morning. So like one of the first, not the first thing I do when I get up, but one of the first things I just, just quick three minute games online with random people. And the way I look at this is, you know, people have the, uh, the hour, hour rings and stuff that tell you how you sleep and kind of like what shape are you in for the day? I, I think you have one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, those are really cool. Um, I want to get one of those. I don't have one, but so my, my kind of barometer now is how I do in chess in the morning. So I can see like how sharp my mind is and it doesn't matter win or lose. It's more about, did I make good moves? Someone might be better than me at chess. Mm -hmm. That's fine. That's always going to happen. Um, but I can look back at my moves and say, was that the right move? Was that the right move? Or, or where did I make my mistake and then adjust for next time? So it's kind of, I'll just play a few games in the morning while I'm drinking tea or something or having coffee. Um, and just, it kind of shows you how sharp your mind is that day. Some mornings I'll wake up and I'll, I'll win three games in a row. I'll play three or four games, um, just three quick three minute games. And I'll be like, wow, it's, I'm sharp today. And it kind of, you know, it fires you up and it says, okay, I'm going to do something big today. Um, or other days I'll just lose, get destroyed. And sometimes that's good too, because you want to come back from that the next day, or you want to say, Hey, this is where I am today. Let's use that energy instead of challenging myself this way. What can I challenge myself with this way? So it's kind of just, it's a good uh, daily little exercise that I've picked up. Oh, what a golden nugget. I've, I've never heard of anyone doing that as like a morning habit. Yeah. It's, if you lose a game, it's humbling. 
So it brings you yes. back down to earth. And if you win a game, it's encouraging. So exactly. Both positive outcomes there. And plus, it puts your brain to work when there's no distractions. That's, I think, why the morning is so powerful, because you can be devoid of, a, of distractions. Yeah, I learned that one from my jiu-jitsu coach, actually. He, uh, you know, because Brazilian jiu-jitsu is kind of like a physical version of chess in a way. It's kind of mm-hmm. sort of a parallel there. Um, and he gave me that idea. So, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. So um, it's been working good for me. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, listeners could take three or five minutes in the morning. I know that chess is a scary thing for a lot of people, but yeah. a three-minute endeavor, what's the worst that can happen, right? And, you know, it's it's kind of, and for me, going back to jiu-jitsu for a second, the, the way I learned the most was losing. Um, so in chess, I find, and in business and in life in general, I think sometimes losing gives us the biggest lessons, right? Because you kind of you kind of challenge yourself to say why did I lose? So you're kind of giving yourself this micro dose of a loss, maybe. And and look, I lo- I lose quite often in chess. I'm not saying I'm some grandmaster, <laughs> and that's kind of the point, really. It's uh, I'd rather not win every day. I'd rather you know it, even how it works on these sites like Chess.com and stuff. You get a rating, and if you get better, you're going to be put up against better people. So you you're always going to have you know tougher and tougher competition. There's no way to get to a point where you're just demolishing everybody um unless you some kind of whiz kid <laughs> um but uh yeah it's it's an interesting challenge for sure uh, i love that definitely link yeah. the notes in that so one of the things yeah. that keeps coming up is like pain being able to be channeled into good and i i look at business endeavors and typically they last three months six months a year and then we learn the one big valuable lesson but if we can learn a strategic de- decision making lesson in a three-minute feedback loop that's way more optimal than starting a new business and then finding out later it's a very crowded market or a really competitive or you don't have enough money to compete or whatever it is. If we can learn that strategic fundamental difference of prioritizing, yeah. should I make this move or should I make that move? That will impact how we think big picture. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, yeah, I really think, um, and it kind of goes back to me of this idea of like micro dosing small wins and small losses. And that can kind of either get me fired up for the day or saying, hey, this is where I'm at today. Like, instead of putting this most challenging task of the week up for today, maybe let's do that tomorrow or vice versa. So it gives me a good uh, barometer of where I'm at. Um, but I've been noticing something too. And I think a lot of, especially like we're in a lockdown now and look, that won't last forever, but I think it's a good tip for everybody. I, I've, I've seen a lot of people out there, you know, it's saying what they can't do. And it's especially right now, like networking, perfect time to be reaching out to people. You know, even if the lockdown opens up in the near future, it's, uh, it's, it's still a good reminder of like, Hey, you can just digitally network and reach out to people. You know, there's no excuses. You don't need to go to these big meetings and big conferences and stuff like that. Cause we might not be having conferences for a while. Um, so there's lots of digital ways to really be connecting with people. And I've heard that from other influencers like yourself saying like, now if you want to get that collaboration in, the influencers are going to be more open than they have in the past because yeah. they have less sponsored work going on. They have more general time in general and they're eager to create content. And, and this is this is the time when there's a lot of collaborations happening, a lot of Instagram lives where people are kind of uh, melding their audiences. And so, you know, if you're a listener during this episode, understand that like, Brian's talking about is like this is a chance to go, you know, DM your role model or or just ten of your role models and try to try to set something up. You know, I'm I'm thrilled to be even having this conversation with you, Brian. But 
of course we're here in COVID. I mean, we tried to arrange this interview in person and we're, it's, it's so busy and uh-huh. LA is crazy and traffic makes us, you know, bang our head against the wall. So yeah. um, this is a perfect Absolutely. of that. You know, I think especially on that note with the influencers, you know, what we do have on our, our hands now for a lot of people is time. Um, so I think a good tip too is, you know, the old approach used to be, hey, reach out to a thousand influencers, a hundred people, you know, go mass numbers. I think now with time on our hands, a better approach could be, or a different approach, um, depending on how you look at it, could be to see yourself as more of this like, you know, how do you say it? Secret agent of information, figuring out things that others wouldn't bother to figure out, figure something specific out about that person or, or unique or something that people haven't bothered to to say, you know, something personal. And uh, if you if you come forward with that information to that person, they might, they know that you've done your homework um, and you've, you're someone that kind of really researched it. Because I get it all the time. I'll get people reaching out that just kind of, you can just tell it's either an automated message or they've spent two seconds looking at something. Um, and that doesn't make you feel good. That just kind of says, oh, I'm just another number to this person. Uh, you just kind of dismiss it. But if someone comes to me with a really personal or they've done their homework, um, I'm much more likely to be looking at that and taking and taking some kind of action or replying. And kind of inherently, people who have done more research are going to know that there's a more better potential fit there. So you yeah. kind of save the influence or some of the, you know, niceties of doing the first call and trying to get acquainted by saying like, look, I know you're passionate about yoga or uh, about chess. I mean, I think chess yeah. is the perfect thing to jump off on. Like, hey, do you want to play yeah. a game of chess, Brian? Like, yeah, exactly. pretty much anyone you take on, you would, or anyone who messages you, you would take on because you're already playing random people. So it's exactly. like no exactly. loss for you. Right. Totally. Yeah. Something unique like that. I think it's always good to, you know, find something that's uh, personal to that person or just, you know, shows that they've done their homework at least a little bit. So yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely a good one. And this is the, the way that chess and, and, um, bridge and some of these games that a lot of guys on wall street play are mm. such that they're strategic right they teach our, yeah. teach our brain to fuse these new yes. connections and so that's one of the things that's always impressed me so much about you brian is like it's like how does he do all this right how does mm. he have you know multiple venture-backed companies you know multiple you know multi-million dollar raises and this all these accolades and recognitions and still a young very good looking, I'll say for myself, uh, <laughs> young man. But it's like, how do you prioritize that? Because there's, there's companies, right? So you say you're an owner, investor in three, five companies. So you got to prioritize yeah. your time among companies. And then you have to yeah. prioritize your time among projects, the next level down, and then among tasks. So that's really what I'm, I'm curious about. Yeah. You know, eight hours in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you say is different from ultra high performer who grows exponentially and has multiple businesses that are all growing exponentially in their own way, both personally and professionally versus somebody who grows in a linear way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think the way for me to describe that is um, here's a good analogy with, with uh, weight training that I've been doing a lot of recently, as we were talking about, Um, you know, as I was working with some trainers and things like that, they were saying, okay, you're not really connecting with some of these workouts. And then I, we increased the weight. You'd say, well, why would you do that? But when I felt it more, I said, wow, this is, I really feel it now. Uh, I can, I can really feel the muscles working. I feel the weight there. Um, and then, then I started connecting with the workouts better. Um, and I was feeling it more and getting more results. Um, for me, and I don't think everybody's like this is a caveat. Um, for me, I like to feel sort of a lot of things happening and a lot of things going on. 
and it gets me in, it puts me in the zone more. Um, so, you know, it's kind of contrarian because a lot of people say, take one thing, focus on one thing and do nothing else. And I think that that's probably good advice for a lot of people, but I think you have to look at your personality, look at, you know, who you are and, and how you react to different things and really personalize things for yourself. Because for me, I, I tried that for a while. I said, I'm going to do one thing, um, you know, in different aspects of life, not just business, but um, having a few things on my plate or many things kind of makes me feel it more. And it makes me, it sparks something in me that makes me have to take decisive action on things. So it forces me to get in the zone and decide things and say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And in the back, I think what happens with a lot of people sometimes is they get sort of decision fatigue or they're slow to react on things or they're slow to take action. They know what they, they know what the right move is, but they sometimes talk themselves out of it or talk themselves into doing something else. That's not really the right move. Sometimes that first instinct is usually right. Um, so for me, I usually cap, I try to capitalize on that first instinct and say, okay, you know, this has got me across well in life so far. So why doubt it now? Right. So, um, you know, I, I like to put a lot of things on my plate because it makes me feel it and kind of be in it more. And then I feel like I'm, I'm forced to take action and get, hence get better results. At least that's what works for me. So basically, and I'm, I think I'm the same way. I noticed that early on when I try to focus, you know, creative minds tend to like a lot of stimulation and things going on. And that just creates excitement, which creates inspiration. And I found myself to do the same. Like, why do I bring so much onto my plate? But then I realized I, I output so much more. I'd rather be a little bit behind than a little bit ahead. Um, yeah. In terms of like, it's kind of like being in the being the, the dumbest person in the room versus being the smartest person in the room. You know, right. I want to be in my edge. I want to be challenged. So exactly. I can relate. Yeah. And I, I guess, are there, do you find that that creates challenges in your personal life because you're so committed to doing huge things? And, and having so many big commitments and accountability? Um, I, I think in some way, sure. Um, it, you know, I, I think it's become so normal for me that the people I've surrounded myself with see that as the normal. Um, it, you know, if I change the people I was around, for example, that might that might be different and they might say, whoa, what's going on here? Um, but I think I've created the network of people and the personal and business kind of network and connections that are kind of on the same page with that. So it just sort of works. Um, I don't know that that would work for everybody, but I think for me, it, it does work. Um, and also, you know, I think a, a part of that too is I've always looked at things differently where, you know, it, it's not jumping on the bandwagon of what others are doing. In fact, I kind of take the opposite approach. I say, if everyone's doing this, what's next or, or why shouldn't I be doing that? So when I see a trend come along or something, if I'm not ahead of that trend, I'm probably not even going to be paying attention to it, maybe depending on the trend or what's going on. But I'm usually saying if everyone's doing this, I want to be over here doing something else. Um, so I'm very hesitant to jump on something that everybody's doing. Um, and I think that can be a trap because you can have the best instincts, the best skills, the best business mind in the world. But if you're, if you're too far behind and everybody else is already in on it, it's just, it's saturated. It's going to be very difficult. Um, versus finding the next thing um, that, that could be a better bet using your skills. Um, so I think that can be like a trap for people too and something that, that's worked for me anyways. And saved you a lot of contrived endeavors, I would say. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, again, going back to the the fact that we have this unique ability right now to be spending time connecting with people and stuff, 
um, you know, another thing that's, that's also, I think really relevant, and this has happened to me so many times, I can't even tell you is that I never dismiss anybody. Okay. I don't care what the perception is. You know, I I've made the best connections in the world from the most random interactions that 99% of people would have dismissed and said, that person's useless. Don't talk to them. Da, 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 da. So I'm always seeking opportunities and talking to people and sort of networking, you know, behind the scenes, but in a way where it's, it's not just looking for the people at the top of the mountain because that's who everybody wants to connect with, but finding other people that are up and coming and working on things, doing clever work and, and unique things um, to, to be kind of connecting with um, because those are going to be the next leaders of the world, so to speak, and the next people at the top of the mountain. Um, so it's, it's kind of spending time focusing on, on everybody and not just dismissing people because they haven't made a billion dollars yet, for example. <laughs> so uh, I think that's a, a nice tip for people as well. Absolutely. That kind of dovetails into my next question. You've amassed over 200,000 followers on just your Instagram. You have a huge, bigger, much larger reader audience from the, from the publications that you've created and just a big following. Um, so does the amount of inbound get overwhelming, especially considering that you're not turning people away at the door? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that can be an overwhelming point, but you know, I, th- I still think you have to, there's ways to filter where you're not just dismissing people. You know, it's, it's like if I'm working on a gaming project, for example, you know, I know where my kind of like parameters are and I can still respond to somebody and say, Hey, I'm not working on that right now, but like, let's talk later. Or, you know, you can still kind of keep in it, keep some sort of conversation going or plan something for the future. But I've always found that, yeah, it's important to at least kind of like you know, it's almost like a funnel, right? It's like, if you've got this big opening at the top and there's a lot of people coming in, you're kind of funneling it down to what's relevant for you now. But the mistake I see a lot of people making is they're dismissing people permanently. They're saying, nah, you know, go away. Uh, I don't want any, but the opposite really is kind of saying, Hey, let's, let's place these different things and build this kind of you know, puzzle of, of people and connections and things that we can use at different times uh, when, when it's relevant and try to keep contact with those people as much as possible um, and not really dismiss ones that might not be relevant right now, but, but find something in the future or find, you know, and also just, you know, I'll spend quite a bit of time just talking to people, um, even if it's like has zero, you know, um, benefit for me right now. It's just because you never really know where something's going to lead to. And that's kind of going back to the point is that, you know, I might meet somebody that seemingly doesn't have any benefit for me right now, but um, one thing can lead to another. And I've been connected with some other person that's super useful right now. Um, so I'm kind of always sort of seeking. And I always assume there's something because when you assume there's something, you'll find it. If you assume there's nothing, you won't find it. You know, it's kind of like that, you know, age old quote, whether you believe it, you can or you can't, you're right. Um, so, you know, whether you believe you can or you can't find something here, you are right. Wow. Yeah, I think that's one of the most paramount. This is part of why I love L.A. And the most paramount lesson I would say of coming here is that you see that everybody you come into contact with will benefit you in some way if you allow them to. Yeah. And just meeting you and, and us making introductions to contacts that we have we've seen that and, and things really happen in a fast way here, like collaboration, oh, absolutely. businesses. And this is, I would say the epicenter of networking and you are a king networker behind the scenes. You know, you keep, you, you don't 
drive a Lamborghini, which I'm sure you could if you wanted to, but you don't, you know, flaunt things. But in reality, you're you're working with the guys who are managing Dan Bilzerian or Steve Aoki and, and working on very high caliber stuff. But you're also talking to young up and coming entrepreneurs who direct message on Instagram and leaving them with bits of knowledge from my own experience, probably much less than yours. But by doing that, there's a component of philanthropy through offering guidance. Do you, do you enjoy that philanthropy? Do you enjoy coaching people? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a big part of it for me too, is because I've always, I've learned that I learn the best by teaching. So when I can explain something to somebody and teach something, I'm reinforcing and thinking about it differently myself because you know we we try to get advanced as humans really fast we try to convince ourselves how unique and smart we are but i think sometimes it's dumbing it down and going the opposite direction that you actually get smarter so people think that it's like a linear way of learning sometimes but i think it's i don't think it actually is i think it's kind of it can go forwards and backwards so if you have a baseline knowledge of something you say i'm going to get smarter at this so i'm going to learn more advanced things well, if you get much better at the fundamentals and the basics and explain those differently and learn different aspects of how it really works, and that's kind of where cracking the code comes in. I've always seen myself as like a covert code cracker. It's like, how do you, how do you figure out the little parts that people are missing? Um, so I'm always looking at, well, this is what people know and this is how they think it works. But the deeper way of, you know, marketing could be a great example of like the psychology and the, how, how things actually work. You know, there's, We've talked a lot about different aspects of marketing that most people don't even think about. Um, so it's, it's for me, it's understanding those nuanced things, those deeper aspects of whatever I'm doing that I want to learn more about. Um, so that that's that's where kind of the drive comes from me. I'm just always super excited. I was the kid that was sitting there taking old phones apart and putting them back together and just figuring out how everything works. So I've always been super obsessed with how things work. Um, and, and I'll never take a surface explanation of it. So, if, you know, marketing, again, probably is a perfect example and probably why I got into marketing in the first place of wanting to know why people do what they do, the psychology behind it, how they do things, why they do them, stuff like that. So it's probably where it comes from for me. I think I think the biggest thing I took out of that, the, 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 the golden nugget in there is the ability to simplify things is more valuable than the technical knowledge and, and the depth. Yeah of understanding the facts of the matter, like that's valuable. But ultimately, yeah. like if you look at sales and human psychology and persuasion and influence, it all is dependent on you getting buy-in from the other person. If they don't understand it, absolutely yeah. buy-in. So in sales, what makes a good salesperson is being able to explain something very, uh, I would say complex and do it in a very simple way and, and make them feel like they had a part in that conversation and they contributed to it and they understand it and then they own it. And then that's where you get the tipping point of influence. And if you look at like Apple products, yeah. they simplified it so much. Now everyone has buy-in, you know, even our, yeah. our parents who were using Androids out of just pure revolt are all using Apples now because it's yeah. simpler. It works better for an elderly person than it does the young person almost. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's that's, that's really true. Um, you know, and I, th I think this all goes back to like, you know, for me, if I have a goal as well, or something I want to accomplish, that really drives me. I think ho hopefully a lot of people <laughs> feel that way, but um, I think it can be easily overlooked sometimes. They don't really have like a clear or an idea where they're going. So it's hard to, you know, it's like if you've got a map and you say you don't even know where you're driving to, it's how are you going to get there, right? Um, so 
yeah, that's, I think, I think tying it all into a goal is, is obviously super important, um, whether it's personal or business. Um, so really sparks my curiosity around persuasion because persuasion is the ability to empower other people with knowledge that benefits them and, and to create success in them. And that's really where mindfulness uh, and, and sales and business all cross over is doing the good work and having people adopt it. And yeah, you can do a lot of good things once you get there. You can obviously do bad things too, you know, with great power, yeah. great responsibility. But at the end of the day, when we look at how mindfulness empowers us to do business, if we have a solution that makes somebody's life much easier, we have to be able to effectively communicate that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, something that's always worked for me is the way I kind of look at things is this inevitability of success um, in what I'm doing. And it's not a cockiness. Uh, I think that's where it can be misconstrued, but it's a confidence, I suppose, in that believing it's going, you're believing you're going to achieve something rather than believing it's not possible. And I think it just creates a higher percentage chance that you're going to learn it or figure it out. Um, it kind of does something internally that, that really, um, opens things up in a way where you believe it's possible. If you believe it's possible, I believe then that it's more likely to happen. Um, and that can go to sales and psychology that can go to being successful in the business that can be go to achieving something in a personal life that can go and go to winning the Olympics and anything. So, um, yeah. I think, I think it's, I think in a lot of the world's most, you know, successful people and biggest achievers, they, they have a goal, they believe it's, they're going to be successful and they go and start working on it. Um, and I think the thing that mindfulness has taught me personally about that is that it's important to have that North star, but to not have emotional attachment to it, rather see it as a fact and say, this is the way, yes. this is the way things are going down. I'm going to keep jumping these hurdles and I'm not going to get upset about them because these are all just hurdles in the process of getting to this angle, but that angle might, yes. Use, and we have to be okay with that. So, you know, when it comes to removing yourself emotionally from matters, I know you're at least from my observation, incredibly powerful when it comes to that is not taking it personally, not getting an emotional attachment to stuff that is just a fact. It's the yeah. deal didn't go through. Uh, the, the person right. accepts my message, whatever it is. So how do you manage that sense of um, emotional detachment while still keeping in pursuit of a goal? So the way I look at it is I, I acknowledge the emotions. I have a lot of emotions all the time. I'm feeling a lot of different things um, constantly. You know, I might be crushed sometimes or I'll be super excited. Um, and it's not that I'm suppressing them or anything like that. What I'm doing is I'm just purely acknowledging. I'm going, wow, I was enraged about that thing. And I'm feeling this enragement internally. And by saying, oh, okay, huh, interesting. It kind of sets me as the observer of these emotions. So I can say, oh, wow, I was really mad about that one. But I'm not, instead of boiling up about it and going and doing something stupid, I'm just purely acknowledging it. You know, I'm saying, okay, wow, I was mad about that one. Wow, I was really excited about this. That made me feel totally differently, you know, this time. Um, so I'm, I'm taking those emotions and as they come, I'm observing them and feeling them. And then sometimes you can use that energy, right? You can say, wow, I was, I was really mad about that. Huh. And then before you know it, you're, you're newly inspired to say, wow, I, I've, I've, you know, got this new idea or something hit me in a different way, or I thought about something differently because I feel like the state we're in can influence how we do things. So it's not that you're saying I'm mad. Now I'm going to do something while I'm mad. It's saying I was mad or I was happy or excited. 
And that sparked this idea or this thought in me that I wouldn't have otherwise thought about. So you're kind of using it sort of to your benefit, but acknowledging it and rather than squashing it, you're just, you're just becoming this observer. So you're thinking about it as instead of suppressing the fact that I'm mad, I'm just saying, oh, wow, I was mad. Like you're, you're literally thinking of it. You're watching a movie and you're watching this person feeling mad and you're going, oh, okay. And half the time now I'm just like, oh, okay, I was mad. Okay. Now I'm not, you know, you just kind of move on from it. So you can kind of transition the emotions and acknowledge them that they were there but not lie to yourself and say that, oh, you know, it's and try to suppress it. And then it just bottles up and becomes a bigger problem. So you're kind of just acknowledging it. And then sometimes that'll spark a, an idea or a thought, or sometimes it'll just move on to something else. Oh, it's powerful. I'm not sure. Have you done a lot of mindfulness training over the years? Or would you say this is your natural disposition, the ability to take a breath, to step back, to make things facts versus emotions? For whatever reason, it's been a natural disposition since early on in life for me. Um, I couldn't tell you why. You know, I had a brother die when I was really young. Maybe there was some some deep stuff that I had to deal with um, and figure it out sort of for myself when I, I was very young. Um, that would be my best guess. But um, I, I've done some practice uh, of like more literally, you know, on the meditation side and mindfulness training. Um, but it, for whatever reason, it's I've, been, I've always just kind of done those things and uh, but but going back to my earlier point by understanding more and more about it and just refreshing the basics and things like that you start to learn why it's valuable um so i think i've, I've by by doing more proactive learning of it um i've just reinforced the benefits but yeah that, that's a good good assessment I, I for whatever reason i've had a definitely a predisposition to being like that and, 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 and observing things and say, you know, I, I think it goes back to the curiosity now that I'm even saying it. I've always had a curiosity for things in life of how they work and why they work and why people do things. So naturally I took it internally as well and say, huh, why was I mad right there? Or why was I excited about that? So it was just kind of questioning myself. I'd question people around me in, in a way of just being curious of why they were doing the things they were doing. Yeah. Just objectively looking at those things. And I think emotions are a perfect example. It's like, these crazy things that can be one way or another, but it's why are they happening? Right. So it's, uh, yeah, just a curiosity really. Yeah. I was lucky enough to work with, um, this, the coach of Dave Asprey, who's like kind of like the king of bio. Oh, nice. Yeah. And his coach ended up working together. She came to the retreat. She was one of the people who presented at the retreat. Yeah. I worked with her for a number of months and it was, it was very esoteric and kind of like, zoomed out a lot, right? Like very conceptual and strategic thinking. And she would say, no matter what it is, I had it written on my whiteboard before I said, that's interesting. And so mm. when a huge deal closed, like when we started working with TikTok and that yeah. the whole rest of our business and doubled it in one switch, <laughs> that was interesting. Like, hmm, why did that happen? But on the same token, when you know, I had a lawsuit on my plate and I had this mm. guy harassing me, which you saw firsthand how yeah. that yeah, yeah. really put me through hell. It, you, you can also step back and say, wow, that's interesting. Why, why did yeah. he harass me? You know, that's curious. Yeah. Like, what, what was the thinking there? What, and, and so that takes this potentially just like fiery, crazy thing and makes it like, yep. oh, that's interesting. That's curious. Exactly, like, exactly. And it's, you know, it is interesting because business, for example, you always hear people say business is a contact sport. And that's true in many ways. There's going to be crazy, fiery situations that are just get completely out of hand because people's money's on the line and they get fired up about it. But 
it's the ultimate test in a way of, of being able to handle yourself and other situations and deal with people. Um, and, and that's the hardest thing sometimes too, is just dealing with other people. You know, you can control yourself and, and look at things, how, you know, internalize and et cetera. But then when you get another person's energy coming into it, um, that, then it can just completely change the dynamic. So then it's, then it's a whole other ball game, but it, it's what makes business hard, I think. Um, and life, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point is once you've conquered yourself, you still got to go and, and make it work with everyone else that you come into contact with. And you can do all the yeah. work in the world, you know, sitting on your bed and meditating or doing whatever yep. you need to become better. But you still have to understand how that intersects with other people. Um, my current coach yeah. told me, like, the person who triggers you most is actually your best teacher because yeah, going to bring to light the things that you really need to work on, right? Like, if I get triggered because this guy is threatening me, that's an area I need to work on, regardless Absolutely. of what's going on with him. He might have stuff to work on, too. But the real lesson there is how do I stay a monk in that situation? And I remember after all the threats and all of the steam that was blowing up our asses over that particular matter, I stopped reacting. I said, I'm not going to yeah. respond. I just don't have time for this. I don't know what to tell you. I've yeah. told you what I need to tell you. There's no more communication coming from me. And after that, it fizzled out. So, you know, yeah, that shows that by having removed myself from the matter and saying, here's the facts, the, the arguments have already been had. I have nothing else really to say. And then sure enough, it, it kind of fizzled out. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, remo- being able to remove yourself from a situation, it's very challenging, right? Especially when you're in it and it's, everything's fiery and, you know, that stuff's getting crazy. It's very easy to, to want to go one, one up the person and say, how can I be crazier and, you know, fight back. And it's, it's very tempting to do that. And I think, yeah. you know, look, in business, there are times where you have to kind of fight back. But I think it's also even more powerful to be able to step back from something and say, you know what, let's be the, the bigger person here. Let's, let's step back. Let's, let's not just keep going with this fight. You know, the war has been, the war is over kind of thing. Right. And just walking away. It's, you know, and it goes into ego too. Sometimes it's some people just want to fight. You know, so, you know, you have to look at people's personalities and deeper understandings of people as well. You'll get people in business, for example, that, that don't really want to talk business. They just want to argue with people. And, and that's a, that's just something that they're a place they're at in their life. And it's no diss to them. It's, it's no, uh, not putting myself higher than anybody, but that's just something that happens. And then, you know, the trap can be though, is you play into their energy and you're taking yourself out of your energy and putting it into theirs. And you're saying, oh, now I'm going to be in this combative fight with somebody for, for what? To argue about something trivial. So it's more powerful. I've seen in many cases just to step back and say, look, if you're going to want to argue about that, let's just you know talk about something else or, or be done with it. Yeah, I think staying in your own energy is, is for me, like the big takeaway there is kind of saying, well, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm okay to deal with and not deal with. And if you want to do that, then by all means, but it's not going to involve me. <laughs> yeah, that really stuck out to me. So understanding and managing your own energy is good. And then learning to be malleable and adapt to other and, and understand and avoid other people's energy when you need to is great, right? So good and great. And I almost look at it like an 80-20, yeah. right? Like we can, yeah. when you c- complete yourself, you've completed 20%. Um, when you can yes. do work out in the world with the other 80% of what's going on, then Absolutely. you really won because you can not only work positively and inspire other people, but you can also deal with, hey, do I need to distance myself from this energy? Because when I was in that particular situation, I noticed that the 
that the battle was over. The money had been refunded and the, yeah. the, the functional component of it was complete. From that point on, it was all emotional and ego. And that's when I said, oh, I realized that if I keep reacting, then this is never going to end. And so that was, yeah. you know, stop at 20% with the 80% kind of fall off and dissipate. Absolutely. A valuable lesson yeah. for me. Uh, for sure. I'm sure it was. Um, you know, it's also looking at things from other people's shoes too. I think you can, you know, sometimes it's good to look at it from their perspective a little bit as much as you can. If it, if it just completely doesn't make any sense, that's a different story, of course. But, you know, it's sometimes, you know, we can get fired up about things that, that, uh, you know, also, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, sometimes the things that I've had issues with, I've had a part in as well. And I'm not talking about your thing there, but, um, for some of my issues, like I've, I've, I've said something that can be construed one way or something like that. And then I'll say, okay, look, I made a mistake there. Sorry about that. Let's just move on. You know? So it's kind of like removing the ego and not, not playing into the other's sort of energy of, of what they're sort of coming at you with. So yeah, and not even being um, married to your own statements, right? Like I, yeah, yeah. statement based on what I knew at the time. Yeah. That was the best I had at the time. And that's okay. And I'm grown since then. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, that's totally, I, I think that's a really good point. Absolutely. Sometimes we, we can, we, you know, you just have to, you chalk it up as this is, I made the right, the, I made the best choice that I could make in this time and this place. And that's that. And I'm okay with that. It's not beating yourself up over, you know, but I could have done this a little, it's like losing a chess match, right? It's like, oh, shoot, I missed the, the rook on the side. How did I not see that? It's like, I, I could sit there and beat myself up all day over that. Or I could just say, yeah, whatever. It's just a chess game or just a business or whatever. It's, you know, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, that's a, it's just such a great point because it forces us to divorce from our ego and say, I'm not the same person I was back then. I'm, I'm slightly new and different each day. And I, I can be vulnerable and say, yeah, look, I was wrong. Um, I'm going to respond yeah. to you or I'm, I'm going to apologize because I said something that I didn't realize was you know off base at the time. Um, but that humbling experience gives you a really good upper hand in a lot of situations because they will you will disarm other people by being vulnerable. And so they'll be more empathetic. Um, but this all, this all this whole narrative is kind of going full circle to answer my biggest first question, which is how do you manage all of this stuff? You got so much going on. I'm, I, I see what you do every day. We're involved in a lot of the same Slack chats and stuff. And it's starting to make sense to me that the challenge is what makes you perform by staying in your edge and doing it mindfully, not being married to any business emotionally. Mm-hmm. any endeavor for that may have matter, maybe even not to, to friendships, just being very factual about it. Using that energy and approaching all these huge responsibilities with that makes them seem manageable. And, and that's, then a, that's a great summary. Prioritize. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a perfect way to summarize it. It's just, it naturally forces you to prioritize. Um, you know, the, I think the downside for, for some people is, you know, why a lot of people wouldn't do that is that it depends on your personality and stuff, but, you know, cause naturally doing a lot of things, sometimes things can drop off or, you know, if you're juggling, for example, you're going to drop one. Um, but, uh, and sometimes a business can fail or something can go wrong, um, or in life or, or business. Um, so I think that's the downside of having a lot of things going, um, whether it's personal or business. Um, but for me, I just like the pressure of, of a lot of stuff going on. So I think that's why I challenge, I, I, I just look at it as a challenge to have, a lot of things in life in general, really, without even classifying them, just, just things to do in life that are a challenge. I've got into chess now and I was doing Brazilian jitsu and just things that are ultimate, ultimate challenges, right? 
And those particular things, for example, are are areas where you can infinitely challenge yourself. I'm, I'm never going to get to a point, you know, and I'm perfectly okay with this, that I'm going to be the best in the world at jujitsu, the best in the world at chess. It's just not going to happen, right? Let's just say that. Even though I'm the most optimistic person, it's 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 probably not going to happen, um, you know, because of a million different reasons. But but it's still I can still pursue it as much as I want. I can still go 100%. Um, and I can still keep challenging myself. So, um, yeah, having, having things that are infinite challenges in my mind, um, is a good thing. Um, so I'm always looking for those infinite challenge opportunities, whether it's a new business that seems difficult or something in the personal life. So, um, it keeps you sharp. Sounds like some Elon Musk would say, (laughs) no, you'd think he'd be satisfied after, you know, making an electric car that outperforms every single other car out there, but he still wants to go to the moon, right? Yeah, I guess that's an infinite challenge, right? It's go to the moon, build a new colony or something, right? Build a new civilization up there. It's like the ultimate challenge. Or I think, you know, you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that'd be a real... Uh, <laughs> you know, that's, good that's, that's what he's doing. He's, he's, it's called the Boring Project, where they bore under the yeah, highways uh, and are creating uh, like multiple... Like, it's almost like a skyscraper of highways, so they go under each other because we can't mm-hmm. go outward anymore in LA. The space isn't there. So he's building vertically. Um, so he's creating tunnels, essentially. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, hey, he can solve the traffic problem in LA. That's a, that's a pure achievement, really good achievement. That's good to great right there. Yeah. All right, Brian, well, uh, this has been awesome. I, I don't want to stop us, but I want to respect your time. Um, this has just been full of, of golden nuggets, and I learned so much from it. And um, I just really appreciate you coming on. I'm looking forward to awesome. yeah. in the future. Is there anything else uh, you know that our audience can do to support you? Should we go follow you on Instagram? Just maybe drop your handles, give yourself a quick plug. Sure, it's just Brian D. Evans on all on all the platforms, really. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, good stuff. All right, brother. Well, it's always a pleasure, and I look forward to seeing you around. Likewise, likewise. All right, cheers, Brian.